Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Many of you know, of course, that Abraham Lincoln was the one who made Thanksgiving Day a national holiday here in America. And of course, it's the weird rule of being the fourth Thursday of November. And, and when he made that proclamation to make Thanksgiving Day a national holiday, he said this, The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To the bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel hath devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who while dealing with us in anger for our sins has nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverentially, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens." Abraham Lincoln said this, and he made Thanksgiving Day a national holiday, and he did it on October 3rd of 1863, which, if you know your history, is in the dead center of the Civil War. In the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln found a way to be thankful You're familiar with the Battle of Gettysburg, the bloodiest battle in the Civil War. That happened three months before he made this proclamation. Three months after the worst battle in the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln found a way to be thankful. Literally in the middle of a war, Abraham Lincoln was thankful. He did not wait till the war was over. He did not do it before the war. He did not wait till things were nice and rosy and everything was great and everybody was happy. In the middle of so much heartache, he found a way to be thankful. And you too can find a way to be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18 it says, In everything, give thanks. In every situation, we can be thankful. And I'm not sure what is going on in your life. I'm not sure the difficulties and trials and tribulations that you are facing this morning or the, the, the trials that you face each and every day. But the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, it even says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, we have so much to be thankful for here in America. We have so many things that we can thank the Lord for. So naturally, it begs the question, are we thankful in everything? Are we thankful in everything? Sometimes I find myself just concentrating on the problems that are in my life. Sometimes I find myself focusing on the issues and the trials and tribulations and not enough time thanking the Lord for what He has done for me. Already you have five things that you can be thankful for. You wrote them on your piece of paper. 
But in this passage and in other passages, I want to look at three more reasons, three very big reasons why we can be thankful in everything, in every situation, in the middle of every single problem, we can be thankful. Number one, I see that we can be thankful in everything because of God's salvation. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Describing the suffering on the cross. That he died on the cross outside of the city gates. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. He's saying, uh, let us also bear some of the suffering, is what he is describing. And he says, but because this is not our home, we have a home in heaven. Verse 15 says, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Paul in this passage is it's describing that he has been through some suffering and then he is writing to people who have suffered in this life. He's not writing as somebody who's just been kind of sitting in, in the jacuzzi of life and just relaxing and enjoying. He had suffered many things, but he writes to these Hebrew believers, you can also give thanks always, continually. No matter what happens here on this earth, no matter what happens to you, and no matter what happens uh, in your life, you can be thankful if you know that heaven is your home. If you know that at the end of your life you will be in heaven forever, you can be thankful. If you understand that Jesus died on the cross so that you didn't have to go to hell, you can be thankful. If you understand that God loved you so much that he extended mercy to you and he extended mercy to me, we can be thankful. Heaven is not just a a, a one-week vacation. It's not a year-long sabbatical. It is forever. And because of the goodness and, and gracious Uh, Spirit of God, that we can have salvation. Because of that, we can be thankful in everything. In every situation, we can be thankful. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The fact that we can have everlasting life means that we can be thankful in everything. Do you have that everlasting life? Do you know that heaven is your home? Do you know that at the end of your days here on earth that you will be with God forever in that perfect place called heaven? Do you know that for sure? The Bible says, These things have I written unto you, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know these things for sure. If you do not know, you can know. You can know today that heaven is your home. And if you know that heaven is your home, then truly you can be thankful. John chapter 3 verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There is a choice placed in front of you and in front of me. We can trust in Christ and go to heaven, or we cannot trust in Christ and we can go to hell. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We have sinned. And the consequences of our sin is that there must be a payment. There must be a penalty given. And that place is hell. It was not created for me. It was not created for you. It was created for Satan and the demons. 
But we following in their sin, we face the same consequences. But it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who is an exception to this rule. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us has broken the law of God. And because every one of us has broken the law of God, every one of us has the same judgment placed upon us. That there must be payment for the breaking of God's law. But that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why we uplift this cross. That's why you see it everywhere. That's why we gather as a group of believers because of the cross. Because of the suffering that Christ had on that cross in dying for our sins, we can have salvation. We can know that heaven is our home. Romans chapter 10 verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Have you done that? Have you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior? And have you confessed that with your mouth? I'm not just talking about, I said a prayer when I was a child. I said a prayer when I was in second grade. I said a prayer, but I didn't believe it in my heart. And nobody can make you believe. And nobody can make anybody else believe. But if you believed it in your heart, and you confessed it with your mouth, then you can know today that heaven is your home. And if you know that heaven is your home, then you can be thankful. We can be thankful in everything because of God's salvation, because of what he did on the cross for us. But also we can be thankful for what God does for us. Number two, I see that we can be thankful in everything because of good success. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We can know that all things work together for good. Not just the good things, the bad things. Somebody put it this way, the bright and the dark, the sweet and the bitter, the easy and the hard, the happy and the sad, in prosperity or poverty, in health or in sickness, in calm or storms, in comfort or in suffering, even in life or in death. We can know that all things work together for good. And sometimes you look at your situation and you look at the situation around you and you look at the circumstances and you look at what has been done and and sometimes you wonder, is it really possible that all of this would work out for good? Is it really possible that all of these things would work out for good? I just point you to the example of Joseph. Joseph in the book of Genesis. He's one of the youngest brothers of 12. Can you imagine having 10 10 older brothers. Can you imagine the beatings that would happen every time you got together and every time you played a game that you were always in last place every single time? Can you imagine that? But Joseph didn't just have older brothers who kind of roughed him up a little bit. He had brothers who sold him into slavery. And he had to live as a slave in a foreign country. Not only that, his master's wife accused him falsely and then he's thrown in prison. And he's living year after year after year after year in suffering. But you know the end of the story. You know that he became the second hand man or the right hand man of the Pharaoh. You know that famine was coming. 
And you know that God was going to bring it. And you know that God wanted Joseph to be in that right place. He needed him to be the right person in the right place at the right time. And it took a long time to get there. It took a lot of difficult days and weeks and months and years for Joseph to be there. But when you look at Joseph's story, you can say it all worked out together for good. And it was tough for him, I'm sure. And there was a lot of days, I'm sure, where he wondered, what what is going on with my life? Why am I here? What am I doing here? God, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to love you. I'm trying to do what you told me to do. And and it just seems like every single step I take seems to be the wrong step. And all of these things are happening to me. But at the end of his days, I think he could say, you know what? I know that all of these things worked out together for good. And many times we can claim that promise that all things work together for good, but that is not the complete promise. Some people say all things work together for good. That's not true. Not all things work together for good because if you read the verse, that's not the entire verse. It doesn't say all things work together for good, period. It says all things work together for good to them. Okay, all right, there's a, there's a specific group of people for which all things can work together for good. There are conditions that are placed upon this statement. You ever uh, buy, uh, you go to the store and buy a toy for your kid or you buy some electronic thing and then it says batteries not included. You ever see that? And then remember that you didn't see it while you were at the store and now you've got to go back and buy batteries. And uh, I remember uh, when we, when Esther and I, we first got married, we didn't even own any batteries. And I remember going and, and remembering batteries are really expensive. I was like, why? these things so expensive and and uh we you know we we, we're not used to that as much anymore but you can have the the most awesome toy you could have the most awesome electronic gadget you could have a flashlight or something and and everything could be great but if you don't put those batteries in it's not working for you is it and in the same way for this promise you need to put in some of these batteries you need to put in some conditions if you will and God gives us two conditions. It says in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. If you want this promise to hold true for you, that all things will work together for good for you, you need to love God. You need to love the Lord. Not just casually know the Lord. Not just be associated with the Lord in some way. You need to love the Lord. And what does it mean to love the Lord? I think John chapter 3, verse 16, God gives us that example. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His love moved him to action. It moved him to do something for those people that he loved. And the same for us. If we love the Lord, it will move us to action. It will move us to do something for God. And God has given us an institute through which we can express that love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we also from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. We have a church body through which we can express the love of God. That's why we gather together. That's why we have fellowship together. That's why we encourage one another. Because we love God. 
And if I love God, I'm going to love God's children. I'm going to love the people of God. I'm going to love the things of God. And I'm so thankful for this church family. As, uh, as I've said, I just came in a, a month ago, and I'm I, I coming in. I, I just see the love of God expressed in the lives of so many people, in the way that they give to God, in the way that they give of their time to God. My wife, uh, she uh, made a turkey for the meal at lunch. And uh, before, uh, before I got married, um, I didn't really know how long things took to make, food-wise. And uh, some things are really easy, like ramen. You just put it, you boil it, you put it in, it's done. Two minutes, you eat, right? And certain things take a little bit longer, and, and I knew that. And then uh, my wife, she would bake uh, a turkey. She would make Thanksgiving meal for her family, my in-laws uh, uh, in New Jersey, uh, every Thanksgiving. And that's when I really got to see every single she would wake up early on thursday morning and just start cooking everything and then later i realized that she had to start preparing the turkey days in advance and all of these things and and uh, i i see just uh, how much she put into that and and just knowing that and seeing what other people have done in preparing the food and and in serving the church there's a lot of time put into this there's a lot of uh people who come on a saturday to help there's a lot of people who come and stay on a, on a Sunday afternoon to help. I see the love of God expressed in the lives of, of people here and, and coming. And, and uh, you hear uh, somebody like my wife or some of the others that, that sing. And, and uh, you may not have thought about the time and the preparation spent there, but it takes a lot of time. Uh, I, I, I played the piano and um, uh, I, I spent a lot of time practicing. And sometimes people would say, uh, oh, wow, Brother Richard, you're so talented. I was like, yeah, one hour a day talented, you know, that kind of thing. I had to spend an hour a day practicing sometimes. And, and I wish that some people could see that so they understood how much that, that I was putting into it. And I know that many of you put so much time into loving this church and into serving this church. And it's because of your love for God. And if we want all things to work together for good, we need to love the Lord. But we also need to live for the Lord. We need to live for God. Romans 8, 28 says, for all, uh, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. God's purpose. Not my purpose. Not how I want to do things. But how God wants to do things. And if you want to know what God's purpose is for you, I think he gives it to us in the next verse. Romans eight twenty nine says, For whom he did foreknow, he uh, also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's purpose for you is that you will become more and more like Christ. That you would think more and more like Christ. That you would speak more and more like Christ. That you would act more and more like Christ. That you would be more like Christ. And of course, that takes the Holy Spirit of God to work in your life, to transform you. You cannot transform yourself into God. But we need to live for the Lord if we are going to uh, claim this promise. But if we love God, and if we live for God, then we can know that all things will work together for good for us. And for that, we can be thankful. Number three, I see that we can also be thankful in everything because of guaranteed strength. 
Guaranteed strength. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I want you to take a, a look at the personal nature of this strength. He said, I can do all things. He didn't just say it's possible for some people to do all things. It's possible for those people to do all things. He didn't just say it's possible for the great Christians to do all things. He said that I could do all things. He took it very personally that I could do it. And the same way that strength is available for you. That strength that is required for all things is available for you. I went to school uh, Bible College at uh, West Coast Baptist College, which is in Lancaster, just about an hour or two, or depending on the traffic, three hours away. And uh, so I went to school there, and um, my parents lived in Seattle, so when I first started going, I drove my car down. And uh, when I was done, uh, I drove my car back up. And uh, so I was driving on my way, and I had a friend who lived in the Silicon Valley area. And I got in touch with him, and he said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have uh, lunch with you or something like that. So I was like, great. You know, I'll, uh, so we, we met up, and uh, he was uh, working at a company there. And uh, he said, you know, when you come, you know, just park here at this building and come up to the gate and talk to the security uh, guard there. And uh, so I did. I parked, and I walked up to uh, the, you know, the, the front door, and there's a security guard there. And he looked like he was you know, 16 years old, and I was like, this is no security guard. Anybody could just come in and push you over and just run through the building. But anyway, I'm there, and I'm, I'm standing there, and he says, all right, can I have your license, and, and who are you looking for, and, and all of these things. And he fills it out, and he gives me this little tag that I put on my shirt, and that enables me to walk through the building in certain areas so that if I'm just walking around, nobody's like, who is this guy, and what is he doing just wandering around in our building? And so I was, I was walking through the building, we had a good time, we talked, we caught up on, on old times, and then, and then I, I, I drove off, and, and I was thinking about um, just the, the level of uh, security at some of these companies. You've heard about Apple, they're very secretive. And uh, even to their employees, they'll build up walls so that you can't see what's on the other side of that wall. And even though you work there, and uh, you have to have a certain level of clearance to be able to go in to certain areas. And I believe that sometimes Christians look at, at the Christian life and they look at, at uh, the Bible and they look at what God has available for them and they say, oh, I would love to have that kind of strength, but that's not available for me because I'm, I don't have that kind of clearance, if you will. But God says that you can have this strength. There's a personal nature to this strength. Also, it is the, notice the perfection of this strength. It says, I can do all things. I can do everything that God wants for me to do. And you might be going through a tough time, and you might have a difficult situation in your life, and you might not know what to do, and you might not know where you're supposed to be, and you don't know the direction that you are supposed to take, but God can give you the strength to overcome any burdens, any trials, any difficulties in your life. Paul, in writing this epistle to the church at Philippi. He wasn't writing it from some cozy hotel that the church had put him up in. He was writing in a prison. He was writing in a jail. And this was not the kind of jail where they had cable TV and you could order things on Amazon and people sent you things. This was the kind of jail where if you died, the prison guards just, quite frankly, didn't care. 
They didn't care about the, the, the prisoners that were there. And in that kind of situation, he was writing how that I can do all things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. God will never give you something greater than you can handle. If God has given it to you, it means you can handle it. It's just whether or not we will go to God and get that strength. Instead of asking God to make our problems smaller, we should go to God and ask Him to make our faith bigger, to make our strength stronger. And also notice a person of the strength. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ. This type of strength is exclusively available in one place only. Do you remember when the iPhone first came out? It was only available on AT&T. It was only available there. And uh, I was not really interested in paying all of that money for an iPhone. And now I do have one. And uh, I stood in line to get an iPhone. Some of you may think, why would you stand in line? Now I realize I don't have to stand in line. I could just go there in the middle of the day whenever I want and it's there available. But when I got my iPhone, I was there standing in line. I walked up to a Verizon store, and uh, they opened at 8, and I got there at 7.30. So I'm there at 7.30. There's maybe 20 people in front of me. And so I'm standing there outside, and, uh, and I'm just waiting, and uh, there are people working inside, getting everything set up. And then uh, close to 8, um, you know, my father-in-law shows up, and I said to my father-in-law, I'll stand in line, and I'll get there, and uh, you know, you could just come at 8 and just kind of join with me, and so he came a little bit before 8, and so we were standing together, and then somebody from the store walked out, and uh, he was talking with some of the people at the front of the line, and uh, you know, two of those people towards the front, they just walked away. They got in their cars, and they drove off. I was wondering, oh, what, why would you get here early in the morning and then as soon as you're able to go in, just leave. Why would you just walk away after uh, all of that time? And uh, as they got closer back, uh, the, the word started spreading. They only had the little one. They didn't have the big one. They just had the iPhone 6. They didn't have the iPhone 6 Plus. And uh, some of those guys wanted the iPhone 6 Plus, And my father-in-law also wanted one. And uh, so he was asking me, what are, what are they saying? And I was asking the other people, oh, they don't have the big one. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, I said, sorry, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. They don't have it available here. And so he had to go to the, uh, the Apple store, and he said, I don't really want to wait in line again. And so he ordered it online, and he got it about a month later. But as I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about our lives as Christians, I wonder if sometimes we're looking for the strength of God, but we're standing in front of the wrong store. I wonder if we're all looking for that strength that is needed for the trials ahead of us. I wonder if we're looking for that ability to deal with the problems in front of us, but we're standing in front of the wrong store. We're standing in front of the store that doesn't have what is needed for us. If my father-in-law had gotten up to the front and said, this is what I want, you know what they would have said? They would have said, we don't have that, but why don't you have this? Why, do you want a smaller phone? 
Do you want a Samsung phone? Do you want some of this? And if my father-in-law said, no, I just want the big Apple iPhone, they would say, I'm sorry, we don't have it. And sometimes we go to places and say, I want the strength of God. And they'll say to us, we don't have that. But we have this, and we have this. And sometimes we go to our careers and we say to our careers, you know what, if I just totally involve myself in my job and my career, then I'll have everything I need for the trials ahead. But your career doesn't have the everything that you need for the trials ahead. And sometimes people go to their families and their families are wonderful and I hope that you have a, a, a family that loves the Lord and, and serves the Lord, but your family doesn't have what it takes for you to overcome every trial in your life. And you might look to just save up as much money as possible and, and just do everything that you can to buffer yourself from the economic problems, but your money does not have what it takes to overcome every problem in your life. The strength of God is not offered in your career. It's not offered in wealth. It's not offered in your family. It's not offered in academic success. It's not even offered in a church building. It is offered only with Christ. Do you have that Christ? Number one, are you saved? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? But also, have you relied upon God for that strength? Have you gone to the Lord and said, God, there's something coming my way. I don't know how to handle this. God, you're going to have to give me the strength to do it. God, you're going to have to help me do this. And if we do that, we can say, as Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we find that we can be thankful in everything. In every situation in life, in every problematic uh, issue that comes our way, we can be thankful. We can take time and always pull out a piece of paper and write some things to be thankful for because number one, of God's salvation. God died on the cross so that we could go to heaven. We can also be thankful in everything because of good success, that God can make everything work out together for good for me. The good things and the bad things. And also, we can be thankful in everything because God can guarantee the strength needed to overcome the everything, no matter what comes your way. So why don't we take some time to be thankful? If you haven't trusted in Christ as your Savior, you need to trust in Christ as your Savior. You need to have that salvation offered only by God. And if you are saved then you need to rely upon the Lord. You need to love Him. You need to live for Him to have that good success and that guaranteed strength.